White Ice, uh, 2018, a year of questions and conversations on race with United Methodist clergy and laity focusing on the 50 years after merger and how it has affected African-American congregations and their communities. My name is Vincent Harris, your host for this podcast, and we will explore uh, over the year conversations on yesterday's perspective on race, today's context of race in uh, United Methodist churches, and also visions for tomorrow. We will have guests from all walks of life, and we uh, hope that you will be able to join us in these conversations. We are here today uh, still talking about racism, the church's unfinished business, with Shayla and mm-hmm. Eric uh, from Philadelphia. Uh, they are clergy, and they're here uh, to just kind of walk through some of the uh, challenging questions that we have for uh, all of our, our folks today. Uh, let's talk about the obvious first. Uh, do you believe racism uh, remains the most challenging uh, issue for the church and society today? I certainly believe it does. Um, and I believe it is um, is one of the most challenging things um, in our society with the uh, church as well. Uh, I don't think racism ever uh, went away. I think um, right now, I think it's just become more prevalent. And right now, we're seeing it um, really be talked about probably more openly than it was uh, in uh, the most recent years. Um, it's it's a challenge, number one, because the church is trying to find its position uh, concerning racism while also trying to understand that racism exists even in in itself, you know, in, in the church. And I think that's something that's difficult for the church to have come to grips to. So now that it's out there, now that everyone knows that it still exists, now that everyone knows that it's even in the church, what do we do about it? And I, I believe it is um, challenging also because, again, um, as Eric stated, you know, the church is trying to find its position on what do we say, what do we do about it. The church has been silent on many things. It's like we went through that era of the civil rights movement and the church had a voice and the church was the pillar. It was the place where the community and people went and, you know, talked openly about things. But somewhere along the line, um, I would say in the, the 80s, people got comfortable and the church was no longer that pillar place and then it became more um, political than it became church and you know for the community so it's it's definitely something that is a challenge for people to speak up today you bring up racism in the pulpit and you know folk start to cringe a little bit because it's not that um feel good make me happy i want to shout you know message and and it's like these are the things that we have to face yeah the um the challenge i think too at the time of civil rights is that we had a common cause uh, do you think that uh, with the church's history, especially in that Methodist church's history and involvement in civil rights, is there something, some mechanism, some group, some, some, some wellspring of folk that are coming forward to help us motivate this generation to do some of the same kind of work that was done as a result of the civil rights movement? Is there something out there or do you know of anything that's kind of pressing us forward? Uh, that 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 would, would equate to the, the civil rights movement of the past. I think, particularly with our 
um, younger generations. Okay. Um, and you know, as we look at you know who are the front runners, you know, of uh, tackling racism, I think one of the things that that happens uh, today um, is that the groups evolve so much. Um, whatever they're fighting for, whatever the causes, they evolve so much. So I don't think there is one particular group who is kind of leading the way towards um, uh, you know attacking racism. Um, but I, but I think especially you know when we look at the times that we're in you know where you know everything's social media you know everything is technology um, so I think those are the different platforms um, where groups form um, and then they tackle a particular uh, situation more than the entire movement um, unlike you know the civil rights movement where there are groups who came together and con- consistently fought for that um, I, I think there are different cycles and different situations. Um, and I think racism kind of is a part of all of the other issues um, that are going on. So I think that's the challenge, um, at least with our younger generations, um, being front runners, uh, you know, in today's racism. And I mean, not only that, there's also um, the challenge with that because you have the younger generations where everything is um, done mostly on social media, there is also a generation that's looking at, you know, that need to have that conversation about race and, you know, face that issues in those organizations, but they're not on social media. So there's, again, that um, contention between those generations. And it's like, if we would just come together and realize that we're all fighting for the same cause and the same thing, as opposed to just one issue, then it would be it would be better handled. But again, we have issues amongst ourselves. And it's like, here we are fighting amongst ourselves more than we are um, resolving or coming to um, a consensus of how to resolve the issues of race and everything else that's going on as a community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting when you talk about the generational differences and I think that's one of the things that I, I want to try to figure out, and I think the church needs to try at least to figure out, is that because we're in this place where sort of the, the kind of responses you get are, are really gotten because you're in a place that you relate to those folk that are there, mm-hmm. whether it's boomers or right. Gen Xs, Gen Ys, or millennials. So, so in, in your uh, experience, what would be a way to connect with people that are in those, especially the, the, the generations of people who are after the civil rights movement, uh, mm-hmm. those who are in this particular day who have experienced the uh, violence uh, to the African Americans and, and how the identity of black people has been pretty much diluted uh, in society in some ways. How do we connect with people and have the church be uh, a constant you know, uh, involvement in how they move forward? or at least understand who they are and, and have value. Um, I think that's exactly it, is to understand who each other are and then to have the value. And I think that it's, that's the piece that um, creates the distrust between the generations. Um, do we trust that the generations are really going to pick up the mantle um, and really going to fight racism, fight oppression, fight suppression? But because it doesn't look the way it looked back during the civil rights movement, um, there's a there's a lack of confidence that the generations are still going to combat racism. So I think um, what has to start is, you know, those generations 
um, of, of those times have to have the open conversations about what happened, what it caused. But then to hear the generations of uh, the, the younger generations and to hear what does this look like to you? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you? Do we do you feel the same as we felt? And to understand that um, there are different views uh, with the different generations, um, and then to go from there to figure out, okay, how do we combat this? It's still here. The issue is still here, but to allow those the, the younger generations now um, to go about combating it based upon their experiences. Not only that, we we have to value that that word value. It means a lot because. The older generations, there, there, there is that lack of trust of can they, can they carry, can the younger generation carry a mantle? Can they, you know, address these things? But not only that, what do they know? Like, you know, you get some thinking like, well, what do they know about racism, this, that, and the third? So again, it's about sharing our stories together, sharing our experiences. But not only that, valuing, you know, what what each other have to say. But if we don't take time to sit down and listen to each other to value one another and understand then how can we expect another race or or the the mainline or race to value us as a people when we don't even value one another um in in terms of our own experiences so that that has a large a large thing to do with it as well especially in the church um Um, and and speaking in terms of you know the church and the united Methodist church in particular um we uh, are eight uh, percent. If you heard that before, mm-hmm. is that you know, with, with uh, us and other uh, people of color, eight percent, ninety-two percent Anglo. So, are there places that you think that we have gotten in our own way? Uh, that we've, we we put obstacles in our own way, um, you know, in trying to deal with our stuff, but we haven't dealt with the issues that need to be dealt with. So. What, what barriers, what obstacles do you think we've put in our own way uh, as we've tried to kind of reach this place of uh, better race relations, better relations with people in our communities? Can you think of anything that we kind of just kind of like, well, you know, we, we're moving, but then we just like put this in front of us and we can't go anywhere? Just that um, our, our own perceptions is, the, I would think, is the barrier that stands between us. You know, just this false sense of, you know, where our church is okay, we're all right, or you know, we're we're financially fit and all right, you know. But our, our own perceptions of things is what is the main barrier that keeps us from moving forward to do anything. Um, not only that, just us being stuck on our own our own pride or our own egos, and you know, not necessarily laying ourselves aside like we're supposed to, and allowing God to do the work. And allowing God to truly use us to do ministry and and converse, converse and connect with one another the way that we should. So we we stand in our own way, um, along with just being st- stuck in the way we do things. This is how we do it. This is how we've done it. This is how we will continue to do it. But what worked 30 years ago isn't working today. What worked five years ago isn't going to work today. So we have to understand that. We, we have to be open to hearing and seeing how to do things in better ways and not stand so much in the way of ourselves. I think also um, one of the things I question is um, if we accept progress being made um, as black people in a predominantly white 
denomination? Um, do we look and say, you know what, they're trying, or you know what, this is a move in the right direction? Um, I think sometimes we like to stay in the cycle of not mm. going anywhere because we, we identify so much with the struggle mm-hmm. um, that it's comfortable for us. Yeah. And, and what would that feel like? What would that look like if we were to free ourselves of the struggle? Right. Uh, and I think that's a cycle um, that we get stuck in. Like our normalcy so. is oppression. Yeah. And if, if we're not being oppressed in some kind of way, yeah. it's we don't know how to function. Yeah. I think someone uh, said that, um, you know, we like to fight. Mm-hmm. And if we can't uh, fight the enemy, whatever the enemy, or whatever the the enemy is, right. we fight each other. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Because fighting is, uh, is easy. Mm-hmm. Fighting is easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, peace is hard. Absolutely. Reconciliation is hard. Uh, working toward a better understanding sure. is hard. So, um, so yeah, I, um, uh, you know, look at the last 50 years of uh, merger. Uh, I was uh, 10 uh, at the time. Okay. Uh, I was 60 in April, uh, which is not a big deal. But, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe it is. But, but my, my point, I guess, on this is that over the last 50 years uh, of the uh, connection of, of uh, United Methodist's merger, mm-hmm. um, you know, in your lifetime, I'm not sure if you've seen a lot of changes, but if you were to rate the United Methodist Church today mm-hmm. uh, between 1 and 10, what would be your your rating or on that scale would you give us on on, 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 on really tackling the issue of race? Maybe a five. Maybe a four. I think we talk about the issue of race. (laughs) Um, I think we look at cross-cultural appointments as the answer to race. Um, but, But I don't know if that's good movement towards really uh, getting to the core of the races. Yeah, I'd say a three or a four. You know, we bring it up. That's as far as it goes. You know, you you mention it. Like, yes, we need to, you know, tackle the issue of race. Or, yes, we need to do something to um, um, make our relationships better with other races. We need to be a diverse church a diverse denomination or we are we are connectional but that's as far as it goes our actions doesn't show anything otherwise um and it, it's proven in in the the amount of um african-american or minority clergy that you have you know coming through why is it so little of them coming through why is it so much harder for um people of color to get through a process than it is for those who are not. Why are things different or done differently or accepted, you know, like, you know, in terms of what what um, the credentials are that some people have who are not of color, but yet when somebody of color may have more credentials than somebody who's not and may be missing one thing or, you know, here you go, they don't get through or it's they have to do something extra. We always have to do something more. Um, so we're always constantly having to prove ourselves over and over again. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, this, this uh, unfinished business is probably going to be a conversation we have for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything you want to add today that I didn't like share with you that you want to share on the podcast today? Just um, for us to really open and listen to the younger generations. Um, They're watching. They're watching and they're listening 
to all of those before them. And a lot of people are under the impression like, oh, we got to get the millennials. We got to, you know, do things in the millennials. But the millennials, they're older now. They're, that's, that's the generation, yes, we could still be concerned about. But there's a generation after them that are really going through a lot right now and paying attention and nobody's really listening or paying attention to them. So we have to make room to listen to them and not make the same mistake that we made with the millennials, with those generations that are younger than the millennial generation. Yeah, and I would just say along with that, um, again, to understand that, again, while racism is, is still present, as it always was, um, to understand that uh, there's a... a, a different view and different perspective and different approach um, based upon experience with the different generations and how they deal with racism, how they combat racism. Um, So I think just to be open-minded for everyone to speak together, um, but also for everyone to put it on the table, to understand what everybody's experience is. Um, and, and as we look towards the younger generations to move the church and society together and to, to speak about it from different perspectives to understand that their view and their experience is going to be much different. Um, but it doesn't mean that we all have a common goal uh, to combat racism. Wow. Um, well, Shayla and Eric, I appreciate your time and the conversation today. Have a good trip back to Philly. And um, I look forward maybe to another time let's have a conversation. Thank you. Thank you.